As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The Bread and Butter Collective is a collection of hospitality professionals working together to help strengthen our industry to build strong culture, community, and sustainability. I'm Kalen McNeil. And I'm Sam Jones. And, and this, this is, is the, the Bread and Butter, Butter Podcast. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? This good. day is it? It's Tuesday after the Easter long weekend, right? Yes, yes. How does it feel? You feel like you had a long weekend? I did, actually. I didn't get up to much. Um, had a bunch of plans and didn't really do anything. Well, that's not oh. totally true. We did some stuff on Sunday, but I understand you had a busy weekend. Oh, my goodness. My weekend was full of not being on my phone, not answering emails, and building a chicken coop with my wife. Oh, fantastic. It was, uh, it was a wonderful way to spend, well, it was actually two weekends, but we did most of it this weekend. It was great. Perfect weekend for it. Beautiful outside. Welcome to Victoria. Why won't, why shouldn't we all just do everything outside? Listen, chicken coops for everybody. Right? Chicken Let's coops for it. everyone. We can eat in them. We can eat from them. <laughs> we don't have to go inside anymore. We can just eat, eat outdoors. It's so beautiful in Victoria. Why not? So what's your take on the recent uh, lockdown? How does that, or shutdown of restaurants and, and coffee shops in room? Yeah. Dining? I, I, I feel that, uh, I have lots of feelings about it. I mean, first off, I think that um, we don't get a lot of uh, chance to prepare for these things. And so that's always going to be an issue when it's uh, just put out in the front of you and all of a sudden you have to close again. Yeah, um, It was hard enough the first time to close and to get rid of extraneous staff and all of that. I, I when we, we did it the first time, I made a point to myself that I w I wouldn't open up until this was all over again. Yeah, and um, I didn't. I'm takeout only. I'm I'm really lucky that my food and my products are really good for takeout. Yeah, it's conducive I, to that. Yeah, and I was able to stick to that, and I didn't put any tables and chairs back into my cafes, even though you know there was pretty much almost daily pressure from customers and soon to be ex-customers who really wanted me to put tables and chairs in. And my, my, my approach to that was, you know, I'm not comfortable for myself to do that, to have a full cafe. I'm not comfortable for my staff to have a full cafe. Um, and I'm not comfortable for all the customers who just want to come in and have takeout. Um, so I really put up a fight for the last year about not, putting tables and chairs back in. I've been, I've been known to say that if I ever open up another cafe, I won't be buying tables and chairs ever again. <laughs> um, and I don't know, it doesn't prove me right. It just kind of justifies my paranoia maybe mm. over the last year. It makes me feel that um, I put myself, I forced myself this last year to be in a better position for more, more lockdowns that if they were to come and they are, and I, I regret that we didn't just lock down harder in Victoria right away. I think that would have been a better approach, but we yeah, it it's one of those things. Well, I mean, I think there's pressure on, on both sides. Obviously there's a lot of people that, um, there are some people that don't agree with any of the lockdowns and they support the economy. I think, you know, in our business, we have to comply to, you know, health orders daily. Obviously, right. we're, we're ran and mandated by, in Victoria, Vancouver Island Health. 
Um, so, you know, we have to cook food to temperature. We've got to clean our hands. We have to put in all these measures anyways, even to operate. So for us, um, you know, again, we're, you know, I've got two brands. The Zambri's brand obviously is, is being punished. Um, right. and I, I use the word term punished. I guess it, it's not like, it's not being deliberately put on us, but not every restaurant or coffee shop or hospitality business is the same. Right. Um, I know, you know, I can speak for myself with Big Wheel Burger. Our sales are, are kind of flat um, year over year, which I think is a humongous win for us. But we're also like you. We're set up for takeout. Um, our food travels well. And a big chunk of our business pre-pandemic was takeout anyway. So right. the impact isn't as drastic. But you, you didn't have to pivot as much for Big Wheel Burger as you would no. have for Zambri's, I would assume. Well, we've got I younger... guess we're going to hear from Jamie all about that eventually, aren't we? Yeah, we've got a couple really good guests today. Um, uh, Jamie from Zambri's um, and Big Wheel as well. And uh, Emily from uh, Bodega, uh, Poco, and um, Tapa Bar. So I think their business model, they've got a very relevant um, point of view. Obviously, you know, they're, it's not quick service businesses. No. The bulk of their business has been done through sit down. Um, I'd like to hear a little bit about their, their, their feedback on customers' responses to the different stages that we've kind of moved along. Um, and then just how have they pivoted? Um, and how is this new sort of um, restrictions um, affecting, you know, their staff, the customers, um, and the overall, um, delivery of food. So let's welcome our guests. Welcome. Thanks for being here, guys. Hi, Jamie. How Thanks are you? Thanks for having us. Hey, doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you, Emily. How are good. you? Good. Thanks. Good. Oh, that's good. Okay. Let's start maybe with, um, with, uh, Jamie and, uh, just get your overall perception of how the last year has been. Um, what is your take on, uh, the different, uh, kind of like, uh, health orders and then how are your customers, um, dealing with it? Sure. Um, so obviously this most recent shutdown was a way easier transition for us because we already had all of our systems in place going back a year. It was a crazy time because as you said, we're a sit down restaurant um, we weren't set up for takeout, so we didn't have um, uh, packaging. We didn't have delivery systems. We didn't have takeout apps. Our staff weren't trained on how to deal with takeout. And then when we reopened, the whole look and feel of Zambri's changed. So there were barriers up and people were wearing masks and things like that. So that was really hard um, on the staff, especially. It was hard to police people. Uh Luckily, we have a very loyal following at Zambri, so our guests are, for the most part, very supportive, super thankful that we're there, um, very generous as well. But there were some people who were non-compliant with rules as they came out and went along, so not wearing masks, switching tables. Um, people seem to be a lot more verbally aggressive towards the staff, so we did have um, numerous staff who took on less shifts or took a uh, but I think I was there on Sunday doing um, our Easter takeout and every single guest that came in was just like so thankful that we were there, so supportive. Um, so we were able to pivot a lot easier this time than the last time. But I think back to last March, I'm like, I don't know how we did that. Yeah, it's a little bit of PTSD, I, I would think. It uh, is, yeah. to see it come up again and it's so nice to hear that you're you were better prepared for it this time emily yeah, what's your absolutely. experience been overall going back um i would agree that this time around was we had the steps in place but yeah a year ago we put a ton of energy into rebranding the food and takeout packaging so that it would show up so representing our brand and um yeah waffling with delivery or not and I just think in in-house dining, the sort of atmosphere, it's not just the food, the sort of atmosphere, food, service, all of it, it's kind of a, it's an experience and we were just worried about that being executed as takeout and delivery. Um, and then we were, we put on masks right out of the gate and we got a, we had a hard time from a lot of customers a year ago making us feel like we were overreacting and, um, but we sort of held fast and, 
I was the mom. Um, and yeah, it was a few, one of our servers described it well. She said she'd go from, she could have three tables and one table would be, their anxiety level would be such that they put on a mask anytime they ordered, anytime they said they delivered food, anytime the server was around. And the next table, you know, we sort of have to manage them and tell them to sit down when they weren't, you know, keep them moving table to table, put the mask back on. And then you could have a third table announcing casually that they were visiting from Ontario. And so as a server trying to gauge those three, that spectrum of anxiety was really challenging this past year. But this past weekend, for the past week, I was really uh, touched and surprised by how supportive everybody was. People were sitting outside freezing just to support restaurants, and I I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah, well, walking through downtown since this has been going on again, you see more people outside, and everyone, you know, bundles up and seems to be taking it on the chin. It's pretty great. Yeah, I think the overall, react. I think the dichotomy between the ones that are compliant and the ones that aren't compliant are the the most sort of shocking um, aspects. And then obviously you've got your staff who, you know, they're they're there to work, they're they're making their wage, but they're not police, they're not public health officers, they're um, you know they have their own personal views as well. So. I would think that, um, you know, their overall culture may be affected. How's the culture been? Um, Emily, we'll start with you. Just of your staff. Um, I think that was really challenging, too. I mean, we're in the business of being yes people and being, you know, we're hospitable. We want to say yes to whatever people ask for. But so to be put in the, in the position of being a health officer and a bouncer and a security guard and a babysitter, you know, to have to have 10 rules before you even got to be hospitable was a real challenge. Um, yeah, I think even still, people are having a hard time with all, every time there's a new set of rules you have to implement and put forward to people. And that's not really our line of work. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting, though. It's, 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 uh, it's, you know, we've talked about health officers a couple times in the last 10 minutes and you know we we are kind of like health officers and we always have especially in the kitchen perhaps where you know we're always taking temperatures and got our uh, got our chlorine sticks out testing parts per millions of this and parts per millions of that and i mean we are i guess maybe as close to a, a public health officer as most people see in a day um we interact with the inspectors and we know what's expected and even without covid we're we're in we're in the industry of keeping people healthy while still providing them um really hospitable Mm -hmm. in the environment and that that's that for me is where it gets me is i can't provide that hospitable in the environment anymore but i can provide a safe environment it's just not very friendly well i think that's part of the the challenge too and um you know i think it's one thing to you know the kitchen obviously has to comply with health rules and they're way way more adapted to the stringent part of that front front workers um front front of house staff are priority is hospitality and i think that's probably the biggest you know and they're also dealing with the customers i mean i think you know in a normal time you're dealing with customers that you know may have dissatisfaction with certain dishes or they've ordered wrong or or they're just showed up in a bad mood so just dealing with that and then you add the compounding factor of being you know policing health orders or feeling an obligation to come to uh do that, I think, is the big thing. What's the culture like been at Zambri's, uh, Jamie, just with the staff? Yeah, it's been a lot of, like Emily said, we're in the yes business. And unfortunately, we've had to say no to a lot of things. So um, not only reduction in seating, but just all of the extra steps that our staff has to take with wearing a mask and the extra sanitization and cleaning and um, taking names at the door. And then there are certain things that we want to follow and we really want to um, promote, such as only dining out with your household. But it's really tough for us to police that because we're not required to take IDs at the door and ask for addresses and things. So like Emily said, when you hear people who are traveling from out of province or who are dining with another household, 
it definitely makes the staff more anxious because they're thinking, well, should I say something to them? But their job is hospitality and customer service. And it's to make the table feel as warm and as welcome and as taken care of as possible. So the more kind of um, policing we do of guests, it kind of just pulls back from what hospitality is. But unfortunately, that's what we've had to do for the past year. So the culture has definitely changed. Right. It's about making everyone feel comfortable now, including your staff. Before, it's mostly about making your customers feeling comfortable and safe. And now it's about making everybody feel equally safe and comfortable. Yeah. And the, the mental health aspect on the staff, um, so financially and wearing a mask on shift and just the fear of being around the general public has been hard. So we've really tried to be uh, supportive and and make any adjustments we need to with staff scheduling and um, uh, giving them resources for mental health or whatever they might need. Do you think overall the, you know, the public health officers or, I mean, you guys, Bonnie Henry or the, the provincial government are, is doing enough? Do you feel like it's too extreme? Like what is your own view and the sentiment of your restaurants on, on the different mandates that are being handed down? And do you think it should get stricter? Or more like this most most recent lockdown was necessary with the number of cases rising, but obviously we're biased. It feels like restaurants are a little bit of a scapegoat. With okay, we were the we're supposed to be the circuit breaker, but everywhere else can stay open. So I understand that guests don't wear masks when they're inside, whereas at the grocery store or the mall they do. But it just always feels like it's really on us. So I think to have a true circuit breaker and a true um, decrease in our cases that it does need to be a little bit stricter across the board. Emily, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I feel like um, I can see how these last restrictions were put in place. It makes a lot of sense, but I, I feel like I almost took them personally too because it feels like, yeah, I feel like we end up being like Jamie says, where, you, where the whole circuit breaking is put on us. Um, I even sort of thought if this was a way of to, uh, keeping people from traveling because if people can't go out and die and that kind of, you know, limits the desire of wanting to travel. But I thought it seemed like a very passive way to restrict travel when there's more direct ways you could do it by enforcing, I don't know, at the ferries or at the, at the airports. And, yeah, I felt, I felt a bit... Um, feelings were conflicting you know on the one hand i understood why it was happening but on the other hand i sort of felt like a fall guy a bit Sam, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, man, I, I empathize with you, Emily. I feel like a fall guy. I feel so torn between um, having to continue to provide employment and pro provide an income for myself and provide a safe place for for the general public. And, you know, I, I only own a coffee shop, so it might be easier for me to provide that one or two times a day little something that a customer can get. And if I'm takeout only, you know, I don't know. I would I, I, I would close down if I thought that everyone else was going to close down. Mm -hmm. But I don't, it doesn't feel like everyone will comply. I mean, and all it takes is one or two places not to comply. And what's the point? Well, I think that's part of the thing. I mean, I, for me, as, as um, a person who's kind of in, in control of whether we're open or not and how we run our businesses, um, we do always do it with consultation of our staff and, um, I think initially I've always approached this pandemic or at the beginning I approached this pandemic of, okay, this is a reality. Let's adapt as best as we can. Let's adapt quickly. And I think that has benefited. Businesses have benefited by a quick adoption uh, and quick adoption of um, technologies like takeout apps and um, things like this. Um, frustrating thing at this stage because we have vaccinations, so help is on the way. Um, this new variant has got me a little bit concerned, obviously what's going on in Brazil. And this is directly from that country. The death rate that's there is, is pretty, pretty staggering from what I understand. Um, and I think at this stage, when we're this close to getting rollouts, I mean, I think the frustrating 
part of it is that the vaccinations seem to be slow. We've got new health orders, but it doesn't seem quite enough. Um, and I think to Emily's point, if we're going to do a proper circuit break, I think we need to go to shelter in place, uh, much like I think what Ontario has gone to now. Um, because it's a combination of just stopping the spread um, and then letting the vaccinations catch up. So I think if we did a 60 day or sorry, well, I guess a 30 day or 45 day uh, lockdown, um, that would buy us another month on top of that because it, it's a month lag between infection and hospitalization, right. more or less. So I think, you know, by then we've now maybe got 40% or 50% of our population. I know Israel, when they got to 50%, the, the case rate just dropped the and then subsequent right? death rate and hospitalizations dropped as well. So it's not herd, herd immunity, but just doing whatever we can do to get to that point because my fear is, and when Bonnie announced this recent lockdown and she said three weeks, I'm like, cases that are just happening now will be just approaching hospital. To, yeah. So uh, at what point are we going to be realistic with the, ourselves and just say, let's just do a complete lockdown, shelter in place, 30 days, and then um, hopefully can move past this so that, uh, you know, do you think we're too late for that? And this is an open question. Do you think we're too too late for a, a complete lockdown? Do you think that the that the government can still afford to support all the businesses that would have to actually shut down for a, a month or forty five days or whatever it is? You got how, how do you feel about that, Emily or Jamie? Uh, I think that the government should. Um like I said, take stricter action. And if they do hopefully have a better plan in place than the last time where it, it seemed like anybody could apply for CERB. I know that I had a new, uh, um, some people who applied who didn't quite qualify. And then you wonder if that will come back on them. But I hope that this time they can support whatever businesses they lay off. I know I'm worried about my staff at the moment because they're unsure with this most recent lockdown for restaurants, if they're eligible for CERB or EI or what they're really getting. So then that falls on us as managers and owners to um, hope that they're taken care of. So I think that in order for the numbers to go down, they would have to just cut it across the board. What about you, Emily? I sort of, sort of wish this had happened in November, like if we could have, Hundred percent. Locking it down then, and then maybe in January after Christmas, when people disregarded the recommendations, and yeah, now it sort of feels a little bit late in the game. It does feel like it's a, it's it's a bit too late now, almost. Like you're right, Emily. It should have happened in November, if not before then. I think that people are just so so tired. They got they got quarantine. Um, exhaustion, even though in Victoria, you know, NBC has been, it hasn't been a complete lockdown ever really. I mean, there were yeah, maybe the first out. couple of weeks yeah. and the unknown. Yeah. I think we know a lot more information now about things. And I think as much as I would have supported and wanted a stronger reaction in October, November, I think the combination of the summer weather and um, we've got the dog barking in the background, uh, the Coco. Quit talk. No, it's Coco. Is it Coco outside? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I have some. I have some background information on on the it's, dog. It's not my dog today. Not your dog today. Um, <laughs> so I I think the combination of the timing mean reality. What need? What else needs to lock down? A lot of people are working from home. I think some offices are doing some. I know. We, you know, we have a, about a four person office a head office. Our offices, thankfully, is big. And it's open air and we have doors and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's much different. Well, I guess it's probably not that different from, from the last spring when it was a lockdown because you do have warmer weather coming. So there's more outdoor activities. It's not like you, you're going to be freezing to death or getting rained on. Um, so I think a lockdown now would be uh, a lot more effective um, yeah. because of the information we know. People are comp more compliant. People are wearing masks. People are social distancing. We have warmer weather coming. We have vaccinations. Um, yet, yet we still have people going to Whistler, screwing things up for the province, still crossing over on BC ferries, well, coming from God knows where. Brazil, they're, apparently. Apparently, if they're gonna <laughs> if they're gonna lock down our industry, 
I, I want to see the BC ferries um, not locked down completely because we need some access off, mm-hmm. the, off the rock. But, I mean, no one's monitoring that. No, and I think the, that's one of the gaps in the whole systems, too. I know um, I had to do an essential trip to Alberta, and I drove. Um, but I honestly was like, well, what is the, you know, I, I um, quarantined when I came back. Right. But that was my choice. There was no health order to do it. And there was, they were explicitly actually said, you don't have to do anything. And I just thought that was really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of erodes um, people's confidence a little bit. And I think that's dangerous. Like as much as, you know, you know, sheltering and quarantining and isolate, that kind of stuff is not great. I think having a, you know, consistent uh, messaging is important. It is. Um, and to know what, 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 is allowed and what's not allowed because right now if i want to go to vancouver i can i can just say well yeah i'm gonna go to vancouver essential yeah well and i I think it's it it sounds like a police state but also it feels like we're so close to the finish line like truly we are so i think being a little bit more disciplined would help um there's recent in the news there's a couple restaurants in vancouver that just refuse to comply um what do you guys think about that did you hear well, about it? First of all, <laughs> I think it will be horrible for their business down the line. But more importantly, like we're all in this together. So I think that the only thing we can do is comply. And um, I agree with the, the health orders. And of course, I also agree that it sucks that it came down on us. So at a micro level, they're always um, kind of, it seems, it feels like because we're in it targeting restaurants. So that I wish that they would kind of, uh, like you guys said, have more clear guidelines, less blurred lines. But those restaurants in Vancouver are just kind of ruining it for everybody. That's how I feel. You're absolutely right. And I think you bring up a really good good uh, topic of trust and trust in a business. Um, the, the public has to trust us to come back. And the places that are are kicking out health health. Uh, officers out of their restaurants. I couldn't believe I mean, it, to be honest. How are they ever going to get customers back? Um, are, yeah. are, are there ways that you're, you're trying to maintain that trust with your customers, Emily? Are there, are there ways that you're going about doing that? Um, I think that, yeah, we, we have such a loyal clientele that, um, I think they can tell that we're, we're sort of choosing to do the right thing, where and often doing the right thing is counter to making money, which is a strange place to be put as a business person. You know, that's very counterintuitive. But, um, yeah, and it's kind of a two-way street, too. I, I sort of realized how much trust we also are putting, we have to put in the guests that do come in, you know. I have to trust that they didn't just roll in from traveling and um and yeah, even if I wouldn't have any way to police that, even if I... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, yeah, tricky. Yeah, you almost have to turn off part of your brain. I I remember in the eighties uh, when Tylenol got recalled because of the poisoning. Mm. I think that was one of the first times that there was actually um, that that corporate trust was on the table, mm. and I think I think that from from the Tylenol days where they they regained that trust by spending money and doing the right thing. I think we can look look to that kind of 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 trust building exercise and, you know, spend the money, do the right thing, make sure we're in the public eye as often as we can, telling people that restaurants in Victoria are healthy, they're good, we're, we're on top of cleaning and we're doing protocol correctly. And, but it just, it really does. It takes a couple of those bad seeds or bad apples to really put, to question it in the general public's mind. But we all come, like like we all have our, our old customers who are really loyal and they will trust us, won't they? And and hopefully they, they will all come back. But it's the well, general they, public's yeah. trust. I think they appreciate, need, uh, you know, do you find that the customers appreciate the measures you guys have taken and, and support it? Yeah. yeah. Our customers are amazing. They're so loyal and they're so supportive and they're just always so thankful that we're there. And I think that um, I'm sure, Emily, we have a lot of the same customer base and people in Victoria have just been so, uh, for the most part, kind to us. And they really do notice all the steps we're taking. We often get comments where, like, I can't believe how you guys have pivoted and, um, you know, like I never thought of Zambri's for takeout or delivery before, but now it's something that they might order for their kids rather than just thinking of us as like a destination place, which is really nice. So I'm always just so grateful for like the faces that I get to still see. Awesome. Yeah. yeah me too. Um, I, I did have a flicker when this last set of restrictions came down. I had a flicker of um, unreasonable frustration. Like what was the point of doing all the right things all this time? if we're going to get punished anyway, when the few could have been punished, then, that, then we might not be in this position. But um, I guess one way of maintaining the trust of our guests was, uh, I, and I would continue to do that the right way, but it was sort of a long game. Yeah, and that sort of settling for less throughout this whole time ultimately will pay off, I guess. Um, yeah, in the long term, instead of just, having done whatever we wanted this whole time, made a bunch of money so that this went into effect. Well, I think that that loyalty of, of, I think it matters. Like I, I do think in this day and age where, you know, we may not see the reward right now. Um, I think the reward is in just satisfaction and that we are complying and that we are doing our best to keep our staff and our customers um, healthy. Um, I do think that, you know, like, Jamie mentioned about setting up the systems with the takeout and we have a line of takeout products and Emily's business has pivoted to do that. That's the reward that will come down the road. Um, I do believe that they're the roaring twenties. I mean, this history repeats itself as they say, and you know, there was a roaring twenties a hundred years ago after the last pandemic. And um, what do you guys think about that? Do you guys think, I personally think that we'll be in a heyday for, you know, as soon as this is over for a couple of years. What do you guys think? I think that the demand is just so pent up for people to travel and see their friends and um, celebrate all the milestones of the past year. So birthdays and retirements and weddings. So I, like I sort of felt it at times during the past year when restrictions loosened a bit. And you were allowed to have a little bit of a bigger bubble. And we really saw it in the restaurant. Like we were, we were busy. We had to turn people away because we didn't have the seating um, capacity. So I feel very hopeful that everything that we've done for this past year is um, going to come full circle for us. And we'll just do uh, hopefully a big economic boom and hopefully a lot of support in restaurants. I agree. I feel like people are dying for it. And I think I also learned over this time, too, that it isn't just about people eating and drinking, but it's like it's, people are hungry for it on a level. Like, it's where culture happens. And, mm. and oh. I think people miss that, too. And 
I always joke, I'll hug the next person who spills a drink on me in a busy bar and I'll be just <laughs> yeah. dying to have my face crap. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I think, I think that's another good point. I mean, obviously, you know, with Zambries, it's Italian, and there's always been a strong sense in the Italian community of breaking bread, and, and that's where families connect and the socialization. And I think where some people just eat to, to give sustenance to themselves, this idea that that's where community is built and strengthened and and that's where the passion of that is, I think that hopefully will be a byproduct of, of not having it, is that they'll realize, wow, how important is that in our lives? And I think that to me, hopefully will be what lingers across. I kinda, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of you. I think that that's that the potential for that outpouring or orgies in the streets of Victoria and, you know, everyone just like <laughs> hugging and Sam. well, I mean, eating lots of grapes and wine and stuff in the streets. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant it in the classic sense of the word. Oh. Um, but, but I'm, I'm concerned because I don't think BC ever really locked down hard. Not like, like, I don't know. I, I listen France to a, a lot or... of news from New York and LA about their restaurant industry there. And it's such a lockdown and like zero, zero, zero people going into the restaurants until very recently. And um, whereas Victoria never felt like it locked down that hard. So I don't know if we're going to see that outpouring i mean we're going to see a lot of people wanting to travel i think other victorian getting off vancouver island maybe and exploring more uh i i, I, I certainly that, hope that I everyone think, just wants to go out and eat i think we the numbers of people that are going like you got to remember some restaurants never opened again yeah. so the true aspect of what the capacity is in the city is a little bit unknown um i fully expect probably half of them to not open or close shortly after despite because even though we had really good government supports with subsidies and whatnot uh i do think that there's a bunch like i call it the walmart crowd where you know 50 or 60 percent of the people go to walmart and shop at walmart and whatever they're kind of the the average person who's who's wanting a decent deal but i think there's a ton of people that aren't going out I, I do. I mean, I know, you know, there's still customers that talk um, at Big Wheel Burger where they're like, oh, is it safe to go back to Big Wheel? We're like, we've been at takeout, not let anybody in since the beginning. Um, and I do think there's a bunch of people, um, if you look at the capacity, like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Bodega and Tapa Bar, uh, just like Zambri's is like, we're at 25% capacity, what we did before. So those people aren't, like if everybody was ordering out and ordering in mm -hmm. and feeling comfortable, or it would be maybe 50% or 60% or 70%, despite not right. in-room dining. So I think there's a ton of people that aren't actually participating in the restaurant industry, which they're going to come back and they're going to come back to, you know, maybe 50 or 60% or 40% less restaurants to enjoy, which will, the ones mm -hmm. that are left standing will make it, it'll be there and hopefully boom time for them. But yeah. I think that the appreciation for restaurants is what everybody's really realized. Like you, you don't really, you go to a restaurant, you don't really, you never really thought about what you loved or enjoyed about it as much as you do now. Like just the service and the community and the hedonistic feel that you get in a restaurant isn't the same as if you take home some, well, I mean, sometimes you want to sit on your couch and eat some pizza, but going to a restaurant and having that, that service and being with people is just, I think what most people are, are missing and those people who maybe are the uh, crowd you talked about, Kaylin, um, are probably waiting for the vaccine and are immunocompromised or maybe they've lost their job due to COVID. So it'll be nice when everything comes back and people are healthy. Come on back. Come on back. So speaking of Come vaccines, are, are you guys going to line up for your vaccines? And if you are, are you doing it for for personal reasons or for your business reasons or both? Good question. I just signed up today to be on the registration list. And uh, yeah, I wondered that too. Uh, I can't, I feel like I can't afford to get it professionally and I just don't want it personally. Yeah. But I wondered which was weight, which weighed on me more heavily if it was for 
my job or for my person. Mm, right. Interesting. It, it is such a hard call. I, I know that I'm battling that internally. I don't, I don't want to get the vaccine, but I don't want to. You're an anti-vaxer, Sam. I'm not an anti-vaxer. I'm, I'm an anti. I don't know what I'm putting in my body, guy. If I don't know what it is, and if it's never been tested, I'm still. It is being to tested. Do, Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, it's being tested on There's millions everyone and who millions of people up. that have, have had the yeah. vaccine. You know what? I'm not an anti-vaxer, but <laughs> if if herd immunity works out to like maybe 65 percent, I really hope that I could be part of the 35 <laughs> percent. I mean, I. I'm I'm probably gonna get it just for the sake of my business. You're, you're gonna get I'm it now, bro. Of my, yeah, you right. just jinx yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna yeah. I, I am gonna go get it, but I'm gonna get it so that I can, so I can exude that that um, trustworthiness to my customers and to my staff, and that's the only reason I'm getting it. I'm not getting it because I believe it's the right thing for Sam Jones to get in his arm i'm kind of with body. you sam yeah. what i tr i ah. trust well okay i'm not an anti-vaxxer i trust the vaccine but if i were i don't know say i worked from home and i didn't really see many people i might wait and see what the effects were but for me like being around people that's what's the most important thing for me is to have it for others not for myself right yeah it's i think that that's the the point in my mind is it's not really about you. It's about other people and the effect on other people. And that's well, it's the same thing as having a mask on, right? You well, hundred percent. Yeah. It's for other people. Yeah. I mean, I think it's you, all these things are to, for the greater good and, and all that. I mean, I will line up, obviously I'm older than everybody here. Um, so I will probably hopefully be in the queues quickly I, but I, I, th I think you were able to sign up this morning at eight o'clock i don't know like if i was 71 <laughs> what is it now i looked up because i actually went on the site today and it was like 71 yeah I was and i'm like about, yeah i'm yeah. not quite that old <laughs> um, not yet it is true last i think last may when we reopened i i thought i had COVID every day for some different reason oh. you know i think about it enough, yeah. I had it and, and true more worried about actually having it myself but Thinking of all the people I might have interacted with, but I could have given it to, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that was definitely the larger. I felt more stressed out about that. I was interacting with, yeah, the public. I didn't want that on my shoulders. No, and I think there'll so be a piece about, of mind. Sorry, go ahead, Jamie. Uh, well, there's been a lot of discussion about restaurant workers being um, whether or not they should be considered frontline workers and be in line for the vaccine. So, what do you, how do you guys feel about that? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I don't know. I, I, I think we, uh, 100 we, agree. we are frontline workers, not by choice, but by the fact that people want to eat out and we're we are open still. well it's an important I mean, um food supply yeah, chain it's too. Part of the food supply chain for sure so i think that goes without question and i also think that that age group between 20 and 40 should be a prioritized group they're they're the ones where a lot of the spreading is happening um allegedly um i think some of the spreading is happening in the older group too but um just 
vaccinate them, but it really comes down to supply again. So and and our industry is culturally significant, and if we're trying to get more people to have the vaccine, where where better to start than something culturally significant like mm-hmm. eating out, like all your braces, all your servers, they've all been vaccine so why so it just makes it easier for other people who are coming out to your restaurants to go oh yeah it's pretty commonplace i guess well and i think the lost point in it there's a there's a break in the ppe because the diners don't have to wear it while they're eating and they're they're talking and the servers are coming up even though the servers have ppe there is there's a break there obviously my my girlfriend works in the health um she's a uh, x-ray tech and she's been vaccinated with her her first vaccine, and she felt a great sense of relief once that happened. But they do, and she even says they have the best. Like, fortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. But in in our community, they they have high quality PPE. They are protected. They have um, long established guidelines when it comes to infectious diseases and how to protect themselves from it. So that environment, they're already been doing it for decades. Um, restaurants, I haven't been, and I think, you know, as far as the people, you know, I know, um, grocery store workers are getting vaccinated, so they're on the, the next wave of vaccinations for, for workers, but I think restaurant, that's a gap in the system in my mind. Well, I think that grocery store workers aren't as frontline as, as we are. We're a lot closer to people's foods, people's plates, people's glasses, people's mouths. I mean, I think we're, we're far more frontline than a grocery store worker is. Well, and I think the other factor too, going on a bit of a rant here, but Uh a lot of people that are in the restaurant industry or 18 to 35 or 18 to 40 in that category. And, you know, because of housing prices and all that, they're forced to be with roommates. Right. Um, they're sort of, because of the, the cutbacks, they're in the lower income bracket. So they're having to work maybe multiple jobs. So they're going from different businesses to other businesses and they're socializing with, I mean, it's a Petri, Petri dish or Petri dish or whatever of bacteria potential. Yes. Ooh. So let's vaccinate them. And okay, so so that that's that, that brings up a neat point, or not a neat point, a point about <laughs> PPE is it's not neat at all. It's kind of gross. Um, so how about we're not anti-vaxxers, but we all agree that I, I okay, I wait, think the jury's Kaylee, still out on okay, that. So we're not anti-vaxxers, <laughs> but we don't want to put some things in our bodies. Um, how about masks? I mean, the only reason I would get a vaccine is for other people. So that's why we wear a mask. So why is it so hard to convince people to just wear a mask? It's not like it's a vaccine that could change your life potentially. I it's think it's just, just that people ahead, feel so. controlled by it. So it's like, why are you telling me what to do? It's another one of those things. And I dealing with people coming into the restaurant since the past one was it four months ago when you had to wear a mask until you sat down at the table because it wasn't like that before. Um, most people have been very compliant, but the few people who do come in and you say, oh, you have to have a mask on, I can bring you one outside or whatever, they just seem to be like, oh, are you, are you serious? I'll just cover my um, mouth, my hand, or they'll, they'll get up to go to the washroom and not wear them. And yeah, it just seems like a, contr- a control thing in my mind where it's like, well, we're all doing it. Let's just do it. Emily, do you have any experience people not wearing masks when asked? There's been one or two where people said that they had a medical reason not to, which um, I think the one, they were the only person in the restaurant, so it wasn't a huge, like a particular concern, but uh, it did beg the question why they're out in the first place if they had a medical issue to not wear a mask. But um, yeah, not very, not as many as I Maybe expected. I don't know. Yeah, yeah th- pretty fine. That kind of puts you in an awkward position when someone says they have a medical condition that precludes them from wearing a mask. I mean, yeah. Are, do we have the ability? Because um, back to are, that policing. Are we expected to ask. Listen, it comes back to that policing thing. We're not. We're not cops. We're not in charge of that. Right. We're there to do hospitality, you know, it's, this is all a voluntary system for the most part anyway. So, yeah. you know, we're being asked to comply. So the expectation is that you are complying, but 
it's not the the hospitality staff's job to be the the police on it. I mean, and I know there's certain places that are acting like that. And I think you you enter an area where you're going to be in in you're going to be in trouble. I, I've got a great customer. I mean, he's always been a great customer until COVID. Then became a problematic customer because. <laughs> he refuses to wear a mask and he comes in every day for an espresso with his two work workmates and they wear masks and he's, he's in and out in two minutes. I mean, but my staff at first wanted me to kick him out. I'm like, but he has a medical excuse, he says, and who am I to question the medical excuse? Uh, I don't know. It, it's, right. it's a hard issue and I have not dealt with it very well. I don't think I've dealt with it the way I have because I still let this one guy come in. Uh, but I know he's going to be quick. He's in and out. He c consumes his beverage outdoors so he doesn't drink it inside. And, uh, but he just refuses. And, you know, he's normally a pretty decent guy, I think. So I don't want to piss him off. You should, and, you should just tell him that he's, also has the right to be a nudist, if not in your house. You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I feel like the no shoes, no food, or no shoes, no, no shoes, no, no service. Nobody makes such a big deal about that, but it's not really that different, you know? It's like, well, you're coming into our house, you want me to wear a mask, you know? Well, it's all the other health orders, too. I mean, we do, there's a hundred that we have to comply with every day, normal. So it's not just about um, the COVID experience and um, that. Is there anything else you guys want to add to the discussion here as we wrap up? Well, I think they really hit all the points. Yeah. Well, Thanks for having us. Thank you guys for taking the time and really enjoy the perspective. And let's hope uh, we do the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, thanks, And we're guys. out there on the dance yeah. floor at some I point. I hope so. It, it, was, it, was a hard, hope so. it was a really hard topic, this one, because it touched a lot on uh, personal belief systems, I think, as well. Well, I've learned a lot about a couple <laughs> of people in this call. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Let it <laughs> go, man. may have to change my view on <laughs> kidding. Don't come back to the office, Caleb. Oh, we're yeah. having a meeting, <laughs> Jamie. I've got to book it in. It's a half hour. We are sitting down. Just kidding. You, can, you know what? My afternoon is full. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you get your vaccine, why do you care if I don't? Because you're going to give it to my grandmother, maybe. I know. I'm kidding. I'm just egging you on now. Don't even. <laughs> well, th thank you guys for your time, and we'll see you <laughs> for takeout. You. Yeah, we'll see you. Yeah, great. All right. Thanks, thanks guys. guys. Cheers. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Well, that was a good uh, discussion there, Sam. Yeah, it was. It's a hard one too because it does. It does touch on personal views. And well, there's you know, so many aspects: personal views, compliance, uh, yeah. legal, law enforcement, like business, like you know, right. wages and how they can pay their bills. I mean, I have a lot of sympathy for um, the people that work in an industry. It's a tough, you know, a lot of times thankless um, profession, um, but. You know, through our bread and butter collective, we're trying to, you know, bring, you know, dignity and living wages and, you know, the career path in the hospitality industry being a little bit more focused. Right. We're, we're not here to judge people. I mean, I think as soon as COVID started, it was a real good time for all of us to just end the judgment and just be okay with um, the fact that we all can't agree on the, the, the perfect approach. No. for handling this and it's around the world approach right? you know, there's mm -hmm. certain approaches that worked i mean look at new zealand as a prime example mm -hmm. um if it was about saving lives they did it yeah. um you know we'll see what the impact is and i'm not quite sure what their government um you know how much their you know national debt increased as a result like did they are they doing what canada did i know in the states that the restaurants were just suffering because there wasn't the supports that we have. Um, I think there was a PPP or PPP loan that they, they were able to apply for, and which some got, but there was no wage subsidies, there was no um, CERB, there's no rent abatement, no, or it limited. Was, it was really hard in the US. Yeah. I feel so lucky to be a Canadian most of the times, especially during this. It's totally, you know, but I, I also think there's a key thing in this is that it's you can't. You, it's great to celebrate that the Canadian government, you know, 
was pretty quick in getting these um, financial supports. But I mean, our budget is blown through, you know, and relative to other countries is like, where is that going to lead us in competitiveness, um, inflation, interest rates, and just economic. So I definitely would like to see more accountability um, for for this because it's one thing to have done all this and just write checks and write checks and write checks. But we, there is going to be a post-pandemic um, reality and world. And where does that set us amongst all the other nations it all starts with soft drink tax i oh my god <laughs> that's how yes. we're gonna pay for this through well, soft drink taxes. you know and oh you've got god. the carbon taxes and you've mm-hmm. got this and you've got you know i know our property real estate in canada relative to g20 countries is has i think the average is maybe it's increased since 2000 by 65 percent and we've increased by 165 percent our real Whoa. estate so i don't know whether we are maybe just behind global real estate markets or you know, um, we've also increased personal debt and our national debt has gone up at a higher rate than other countries. So I think obviously that's not our, you know, we're in the restaurant business, but it's, we're not economists or politicians or anything. But I think, you know, there'll be more, you know, challenges as we move forward. There there will be. I think um, our, our challenges are the how we're going to keep our doors open, what's going to make everyone that we deal with feel safe, and to be able to move beyond this into the future where we can have restaurants and have this beautiful environment that we can we can be catered to. Yeah, well, and the rebound. Like, what does yeah. the rebound look like? I mean, I, I know, you know, we've kind of treaded water, as I'm sure you have, um, some things have worked out. We've kind of aligned our financials. We've, you know, focused on making sure our staff are taken care of. And I think that will be a legacy from this, which will be positive. Um, but how, what does the future look like? And I'm pretty optimistic about it. Um, so hopefully, you know, as we move forward, we'll, we'll, that will come to fruition. Yeah. I, I guess I'm, I'm your pessimist. Um, cause <laughs> I'm not as optimistic as you are, which is weird. Cause normally I live my life in very optimistic. Yeah. Way. I'm like but, Debbie um, Downer, anti-vaxxer over here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, just give me the job, I guess. Give me the job. Okay. Um, I would like to start thanking all of our members at the Bread and Butter Collective. I'd like to start with, uh, well, because it's alphabetical, 2% Jazz, Agrius, Bodega, and Big Wheel Burger, and Nourish, and Charlotte, the Quail, and Drum Roaster Coffee, and Habit Coffee, and Foo, and and uh, Cafe Fantastico. We've got the Culinary Classroom, Camosun uh, College Culinary School, uh, Filippi, Herald Street, Brew Works, Hey Happy Coffee, Hoin, La Pasta, House of Botang, Part and Parcel, Poco, Pizzeria Primastrata. I got to put my glasses on. Roast, <laughs> Table 9 Consulting, Sherwood Cafe and Bar, The Drake, Tapa Bar, Taco Stand Al Pastor, Took Catering, uh, Zambri's. Hey, Kaylin. Does it feel like that list is growing to you? It is growing. Oh my God! People are, people are joining our bread and butter collective. That's yes, really it's been a fantastic um, support group for us, and we're not just sitting there bitching. We're actually trying to solve some no. systemic problems in the restaurant industry. That's what the podcast is for: us, sitting around and bitch. Yeah, we but can bitch behind the, the scenes. We're really proactive and really positive, right? We're just driving it forward. We you really can reach are. us at uh, our website, breadandbuttercollective.com. You can learn a little bit more about what we do. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, we look forward to our next conversation next week. So uh, like, subscribe, five star, whatever you do on your podcast and uh, spread the word. All of it. Five star us. Five, don't four star us. Don't, what's the point of four star? If you like us four stars, you, you like either do six. five star or one star. That's like, right. No middle ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Caleb. Right. Thanks, thanks for a great day. See you next week. See you next week. Cheers. Be nice. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.